My name is Stephanie. I'm one of the pastors here at Mill City. I see a few new faces. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. I'd love a chance to get to know you. Before we jump into God's word together today, would you join me in just uh, talking to God and, and opening up in prayer? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we welcome you to this place. We know that you are present here with us. God, we pray that you would be present here with us and that that would make a difference in our lives because we know that you are with us this morning. But we also pray, God, that your presence would remain here in this school. God, that you would make a difference in the lives of the faculty and the staff and the students. God, we love this school and we know that you do too. And so we pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. And we pray that the heat would not be on this hot tomorrow morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, we love worshiping here in the school, but one of the uh, things, uh, many things that happen is that we do not have controls of things like the heat, and people who are way above our pay grade are able to do that. But even though there's oftentimes some weird things that happen, and sometimes it feels like, man, how did, how did this go weird? Like we showed up one day and there was a whole set for a play up on the stage and we didn't know about it, stuff like that. But we love it. And we're committed to it as long as God has us here. And it's an opportunity for us to be physically present in a space and ask for God's presence to remain. And so that's what we're about here. If you are new with us or you haven't been around for the last few weeks, we've been in a conversation asking the question, uh, a number of questions, but at the core of it, this question we have here, what is so great about Easter? And we've kind of been putting out the, the proposition that people might wonder about that and wonder maybe your neighbors or friends who are not followers of Jesus might wonder, well, why is it such a big deal to you? And so then we've actually been going through various questions that somebody might ask, or if you were to get into a conversation, they might ask, or you might think, I bet they're wondering why, and you might talk with somebody about that. So today, our question is, uh, why do we need a king? Why do we need a king? Today is Palm Sunday. Kids reminded us of that. And uh, we are celebrating the beginning of Holy Week. We're going into Holy Week this week. And a part of that story is that Jesus was riding through a city and people were waving palm branches at him and there was a sense that people were hailing him as a king. So then it brings up the question, why do we need a king? So that's what we're gonna talk about today. And I've got some visuals and some, uh, a little bit extra for us all to look at and to listen to because we have some special guests here today with us. And that is our Mighty Mills. That's our elementary kids. Say hello, Mighty Mills, hello, Mighty Mills. Wow, okay. They're just like, here we are. Um, they also got this really fun packet, and I was told that if some of the adults really want the word find, there's a couple still in the back. So if you're really interested, you can get the, the coloring pages. I won't tell if you're an adult and you go grab one. Um, but we're going to be talking today about this and uh, a few other extra things to try to just keep all of us connected as the kids are getting to know what it's like to be in worship service with the adults. That's the goal today. So um, this question, why do we need a king? I admit that when this question is asked right now, I feel very differently about it than I did a year ago, and that's for one specific reason, and that is the Netflix original TV series, The Crown. Is there any other fans of The Crown here? Okay, just checking that I wasn't alone. Um, this story is uh, based on the true story of the, the woman who is queen in England right now, Queen Elizabeth, and when she became queen. And so you see all this stuff going on with this monarchy. And so a year ago, if somebody would have said, what do you think of when you think of the word king? I would have thought of what maybe a lot of other people might, and especially the kids, the Disney movies, obviously. So I think about princes and princesses and kings and queens and things like that. But uh, this TV show and whatever you think about the fact that one of your pastors binge watches things like The Crown on Netflix, it brings up an important point in that we don't think of what it means to be a king in the same way that perhaps the first people who were following Jesus would have thought about. 
In this story that we're going to read about Palm Sunday when Jesus comes into Jerusalem, the idea of a king was very different for them then. And so when we think about it now, perhaps we need to think about it a little bit differently. So I would suggest that the best way to think about what it means to ask the question, why do we need a king, would be why do we need a leader? And not only just any leader, but why do we need a leader who is the most ultimate leader? Why do we need a leader with the most authority? Why do we need Jesus to be then? the leader with the most authority? These are the questions that we have today. So that is the way I want to rephrase it. Why do we need Jesus to be the leader with the most authority? Now, my guess is that when you hear the word leader and authority, there's a handful of you who feel pretty good about those phrases, and it's been a good experience in your life. But my guess is also that a lot of people, if not many, when you hear the word leader or authority, you feel a sense of kind of like you bristle to that phrase. You, something causes you to feel at least a little bit uncomfortable about those words. Generally speaking, in many of our cultures, not all cultures, the idea of a leader is becoming more and more of a negative one. Not all the time, but often. And my assumption is, is that people are assuming that leaders are out for their own gain, they're wanting to take control, they're never really thinking and caring about those they lead, or if they are, that's a fluke. Um, some things that might be true at times, but oftentimes now are becoming more and more of a leery thing. For years, for the last, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, there's this change that we're noticing where people are more and more suspicious of authority and leaders. And one of the, the examples of this that you see in popular culture is what I have called the boss, boss meme. Have you guys seen boss memes? Okay, so these are these, these, these things that go around the internet trying to point out how horrible it is to have a boss, right? Because it's awful. Boss is usually a negative word. People being bossy is not a compliment, turns out. And people have this negative feeling and griping about their boss. And so I want to show some boss memes, partly because it proves my point and partly because I think the kids might think they're funny. So the first one up here is, this is this little girl, me leaving work and I hear my, my boss calling my name. So clearly this meme is communicating, get away from the leader as soon as you possibly can, especially if it's 5 o'clock and I can get out of here, right? Okay, the next one, like a boss. These are like a boss ones. One duck is standing on another duck. We've got this dog that's just chilling. He doesn't care. He doesn't have to do any work. Just relaxing like a boss. And similar, this cat. All right, so kids, let's put all three of them up there. We got ducks, dogs, and cats. Which, who votes for the duck? Couple, couple votes for the duck. How about the, how about the dog? <laughs> right, there we go. And how about the kitty cat? <laughs> that was mostly Kiefer cheering for that one. Um, he's obsessed with cats. It's very strange. And so you see this... This idea that the leaders are just chilling, they don't care. They're going to ride another duck's back if they can because they're just doing whatever they want. It's not about anything positive. Okay, boss memes aside, the point that I'm trying to make is that generally the concept of leadership is one that is hard for a lot of us. It's hard for myself included. Perhaps you've been hurt by leaders, you've been led astray by people who you thought you could trust. We've seen leaders make decisions, many of us have, that seem like they care very little about the people who that they're leading. And sometimes we really just feel like we can't trust leaders. And when it comes to human leaders, we can't fully trust them. They're people. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to let us down. And they're always going to fail us in some ways. And so this is an important thing to think about when we say, why do we need a leader? And why would we let this person, this leader, be Jesus? Why would Jesus be the one that we would let be the leader of our lives? So I would suggest that as we look at this story, that Jesus is a different kind of king of a different kind of kingdom. Jesus is a different kind of leader of a different kind of reality. And so for the kids who are listening for the big idea today, it is 
Jesus is a new kind of king of a new kind of kingdom. So what can this story that I'm about to read in Palm Sunday tell us about Jesus and why he's a different kind of leader leading us into a new reality? And what might this story tell us about why we need a leader like that in our lives? So let's look at the story. It's in Matthew 21, 1 through 11, if you have a Bible. We'll have it up here on the screen. Matthew 21, 1 through 11. So listen to the story and wonder, what is this saying about the kind of leader that Jesus is? As they, the disciples and Jesus, approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Okay, so maybe you caught some of the things that point out what kind of leader Jesus is. And I want to tell you, when you read the story through briefly like I just did, it's easy to miss a lot of the things that are happening here. Have you ever watched a movie and you get to the end of the movie and you realize, oh man, I have to watch that whole thing again? Because after you saw the ending, there was all these things that were themes and uh, these moments, these connections that you have to make and you're thinking, man, I should just go back to the beginning and watch it again. This story is that kind of story. The kind of story where now that we know the end of the story, you look back and you say, there are specific things happening here that I never would have noticed before. So I'm just gonna walk through these and I'll have a little picture that goes with each one of them. If you think about this story, this story is really kind of a strange story. I mean, it starts out with the disciples, Jesus' friends, being asked to go to a total stranger and take their donkey and their baby donkey. And that's just weird. And so what does this donkey mean? It has to have a meaning, otherwise it's just way too strange. And it can't just be because a, a, guy, a dead guy wrote about it 700 years before. There's got to be a reason that this guy is riding a donkey. And there is one. In first century, this animal symbolized the royal line of King David, which is really important because Jesus is coming from that royal line. It symbolized humility and peace. And the word for peace in Hebrew that they would have used would be shalom. And shalom, we don't even have a word for it. It means everything is going right. If everything that was wrong was suddenly made right, that's what shalom feels like. And so Jesus represents that kind of peace, that shalom. And it's supposed to be a very stark contrast to what somebody might expect a king to ride in on, and that would be a war horse. So back then, there would be a very obvious, we don't have kings, so we have to think about this. A king would ride in on a war horse if they were coming for war, and they would ride in on a donkey if they were coming in peace. And it's supposed to be a very clear contrast that Jesus is a humble leader, a leader who brings and promotes and embodies peace and shalom. That's the first thing that we should notice about this story, that that's the kind of leader that Jesus is. And most scholars don't think this was the first time that Jesus rode on a donkey. Pop quiz, when's the other time Jesus rode on a donkey? 
Yeah, yeah, when he was a, when he was a fetus. And uh, we, there's some pretty strong beliefs that he was riding a donkey because that's what they would have ridden to take the 80 miles to where they needed to go for Jesus to be born in Bethlehem. And so I just think if you stop for a moment and think about how profound it is that Jesus is riding a peace animal before he's born, right before he's born, and right before he dies, saying, this is who I am. I am a new kind of king of a new kind of kingdom. I am a new kind of leader. From beginning to end and forever, Jesus is a new kind of leader. Okay, so next we noticed something else very strange that was happening, and it was that the disciples take their cloaks off. Now, a cloak is just your biggest jacket, so the outside thing that you're wearing to stay warm. And so they would take their cloaks off, and they put them on the donkey so that Jesus could sit on them. And then what happened? All the crowds started doing something really strange. They started taking their cloaks off and putting them on the street so that the donkey's feet didn't even have to touch the ground. And then they took branches from trees that we have reason to believe were palm branches, and they put them on the ground so that Jesus and the donkey would not even have to touch the ground. And then they were waving the palm branches as well. Why were these people doing this with their cloak? Well, whenever a a little town or a city was so privileged to have royalty visit them, people would show their respect for that royalty by taking their cloak off and putting it on the ground so that they could say, you are so important that even the feet of your donkey doesn't have to touch the dirty, dirty ground of our city. And so these people started doing this. But you notice nobody asked them to do that. The disciples put their cloak on the donkey, but nobody said, you all need to pay homage to this royal leader because Jesus wasn't anybody royal in any technical way in the world. And people just started to do that. They just started to take off their coats and place them before him saying, we see you as our leader. You're like royalty to us. You're like a king. But they were choosing that. Nobody was making them. Jesus wasn't telling them that they had to. Jesus is a new kind of king of a new kind of kingdom because he doesn't force anyone to be his follower. He doesn't even come in saying, hey, you should all follow me in this kind of power over type of way, especially in this story. People just begin to choose to say to him, you are a leader by showing this sign of respect by putting their cloaks on the ground. They get to choose him. They don't have to. That's what makes Jesus a new kind of king of a new kind of kingdom, a new kind of leader, because he doesn't force people or try to convince people or manipulate them to follow him. He invites them to follow him. Okay, so what's the next thing we notice? We notice that he's riding into a very important city, a very specific city, and that's Jerusalem. And then when we read on in the story, we know that his final destination in this little trip is the temple. And that's important because the temple is where the people of God, the Jewish people, saw and had believed for a long time that God is most present at the temple. And so when Jesus is riding towards that temple, he is declaring something really important. He is saying, I am a human. Here I am. You can see me. You can touch me. I am a human in the flesh. But I am also God. You believe that God is in the center of this building, but God has left the building. Here I am. I am the king. I'm not confined to any place anymore. And here I am, and you can see me. And so Jesus is making this incredible reality plain right in front of their face that he, as God, didn't have to, but chose to come and become a human. I mean, to condescend, to become so small as a human being and to confine himself to the body of a human because of love. And so Jesus is a new kind of leader. Never has there ever been and ever will there ever be a God and human leader at the same time. This is a big deal. So we learn that Jesus is a human leader, but also he is God. Okay, then we get to the palm branches. So in this version of the story, it doesn't describe them specifically as palm branches, but we know that they are palm branches for a very specific reason. And that is 
because there is something that the Jewish people had done every single year for many, many years that involved palm branches, just like this. And it was the way they celebrated one of their favorite holidays that have, has a number of names, but the one I'll use today is the Festival of the Booths. And so they would celebrate who God is as a leader by going through the city of Jerusalem, those same streets, the same ones that Jesus was walking on, waving these branches in the air. And they would be saying some specific things. They would be quoting a psalm that was really important to them, Psalm 118. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but these are beautiful words about the leader that God is. It says things like this. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. Lord, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Save us. You recognize that? In the story we just read in verse 9, they say that same thing. They say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're saying, Lord, save us. And, and what they're doing is they're directly quoting Psalm 18. And they're celebrating Jesus as leader. The same celebration that they've celebrated of God as leader for many years. And they're saying, save us. Or in Hebrew, it would be yasha, which is the root word of the word hosanna. Which just means save us. It's also the same root word of Jesus' name, Yeshua. God had given Jesus the name that literally means the one who saves. And so you see these people crying out to Jesus and they're waving these palm branches as he rides through the streets and they're saying, what they're saying to him is save us, deliver us, help us, rescue us. Sometimes in the midst of a Holy Week celebration, we think of the people yelling and screaming to Jesus and they're very happy and very joyful and they're saying something like, Jesus, you're awesome, really cool cult. The miracles rocked that I saw last week but they're not in a positive frame of mind. These are desperate people. These are desperate people yelling to God, people who have been hurt, people who have been oppressed, people who have been taken advantage of by kings and leaders and rulers, people who have been stamped down and oppressed and pushed down and taken away their rights as people and humans by people who had a different ethnicity than them or who were uh, more wealthy than them. That the world that these folks lived in was so difficult for them. And so when they see somebody coming and they begin to cry out the words that they had cried out for so many years, they're asking for a savior. They were waiting for a savior. This is a cry of very desperate people, desperate for new leadership, desperate for something new, for a new kind of king, for a new kind of leader. And Jesus is a new kind of king of a new kind of kingdom. He is a new kind of leader. He is the savior they were waiting for. So you might have noticed that Matthew said something else here in this gospel. He said, all of this, this whole story, this whole unusual experience of Jesus riding a donkey into the city and the palm branches and the cloaks, all of this had to happen for a specific reason. And he says part of that reason is that it would fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Prophets, people who had spoken long ago about things that were going to happen, having to do with God. Now, we might say, well, which prophet is Matthew talking about? Actually, he's talking about a few different prophets because he quotes a few here. But one that he's for sure talking about is Isaiah. In verse 5, he quotes Isaiah. And we know that Isaiah, this prophet, was desperately trying his whole life to tell the people of God about the fact that Jesus was going to come. And that when he came, he was going to be a new kind of leader. He was going to be a new kind of king like nothing that they'd ever seen before. That he was going to be God coming as a person. In fact, God gave Isaiah some very specific words and told Isaiah, write these words down 
to the people. This is a love letter from God. I want you to give this love letter to the people. And people for hundreds and thousands of years have now read this love letter from God to us, to them and to all of us. And there is a version of this love letter that is my absolute favorite, and it comes from one of my favorite books, and I'm not even kidding, and that is the Jesus Storybook Bible. Who has this, bu this book? I know some of you do. I recommend it mostly for adults, okay? Sometimes we take ourselves a little too seriously. So this is a beautiful version of the letter, the love letter that Isaiah wrote down from God to us. This is what it says, and we'll, we'll put the pictures on the screen. Dear little flock, you're all wandering away from me like sheep in an open field. You've always been running away from me, and now you're lost, and you can't find your way back. But I can't stop loving you. I will come to find you. So I'm sending you a shepherd to look after you and to love you, to carry you home to me. You've been stumbling around like people in a dark room, but into the darkness a bright light will shine. It will chase away all the shadows like sunshine. A little baby will be born, a royal son. His mommy will be a young girl who doesn't have a husband, and his name will be Emmanuel, which means God has come to live with us. He is one of King David's children's children's children, the Prince of Peace. Yes, someone is going to come and rescue you, but he won't be who anyone expects. He will be a king, but he won't live in a palace, and he won't have lots of money. He will be poor. He will be a servant, but this king will heal the whole world. He will be a hero. He will fight for his people and rescue them from their enemies, but he won't have big armies, and he won't fight with swords. He will make the blind see. He will make the lame leap like a deer. He will make everything the way it was always meant to be, but people will hate him. They won't listen to him. He will be like a lamb. He will suffer and die. It's the secret rescue plan we made from before the beginning of the world. It's the only way to get you back. But he won't stay dead. I will make him alive again. And one day when he comes back to rule forever, the mountains and the trees will dance and sing for joy. The earth will shout out loud. His fame will fill the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. Everything sad will come untrue. Even death is going to die, and he will wipe away every tear from every eye. Yes, the rescuer will come. Look for him. Watch for him. Wait for him. He will come. I promise. Love God. Jesus is a loving leader. Only a loving leader would write a love letter like that to the people that they lead. God planned, Father, Son, and Spirit, this plan from the beginning of time that this is the way that love would get us back. So, Jesus is a new kind of king of a new kind of kingdom. We see all these different ways that Jesus is a new kind of leader. A leader who is humble and brings peace and shalom. A leader who doesn't force people to follow but invites them. A leader who is more than a human, but also God in the flesh. A leader who is a savior and a rescuer. And a leader who is and embodies love. Jesus is a new kind of king of a new kind of kingdom. And when I think about that reality in a moment like this, man, I 
I think about the, the type of leader that God is, and I feel this sense of deep allegiance to God, to Jesus as my leader. I feel this desire of, if this is really the kind of leader that Jesus is, then I want to give everything to that leader. But the reality in my life, and perhaps in yours, is that I, all the time, I take back control. I choose all the time to go my own way. I want to take back the control of my own life. Like I don't need a leader, I don't want a leader, even if the leader is like this. Or maybe this leader is too good to be true. And I take back the leadership of my life. You know, the first humans, this was the same thing. This was their first sin in the world, was to choose self-leadership. To say, we don't really want to need God. We want to choose to know everything ourselves and not really need God. God can maybe stay around, but we don't want to have to follow God. We want to know for ourselves. And if I'm honest, I choose that same thing all the time. It's like I forget in various moments or days or weeks or even years that Jesus, that God, is really a leader worth giving my whole life to, worth surrendering everything to. But what was really happening with those first humans? Did they get self-leadership? No. They were being tricked. They were being manipulated by an enemy. They thought that they were taking back authority, but they actually were giving it away. And I think the same is true for us. Autonomy, self-leadership, not needing any authority in our lives at all is a lie, you guys. It's not real. Something or someone is the authority in your life. Perhaps it's another human, group of humans, I don't know. Perhaps it's an ideology. Uh, Perhaps it's pleasure. Perhaps it's the pursuit that you're on to numb your emotions because you just can't handle the pain anymore. Something is your God. Something is your leader. Something is your authority. I want to suggest that what something else is actually leading your life if you aren't letting Jesus lead. What might it be for you or for me at times? Because it's not you. It's not your independence, even if you convince yourself at times that it is. My suggestion is that it is not. Something else, someone else is taking the reins when you take them from Jesus in your life. Is it money or things or desires? Is it a hope to look different or be a different person than God called you to be and created you to be? It could be a leader in your life. It could be your job. It could be your country, your traditions. Not even things that are necessarily bad, but when they become the leader of your life, something else has to become the leader if it's not Jesus. We have to see that something or someone always has authority in our lives. And that's why in this story, in that letter from Isaiah, God says that's what it means to be lost. You're following a leader that really does not have your best interest in mind all the time. They can't. It can't. Why do we need a king? Why do we need Jesus as our leader? Because all other leaders will fail us. Nothing else, no one else can embody humility and peace and salvation and rescue and love, pure love, not love that's tainted with and poisoned with corrupt power or selfishness or wanting to control other people. Without this anchor of loving authority in our lives, we get lost. We become unhinged. We lose ourselves. I've seen this in my own life. And when people in those times of my life who love me come up to me and say lovingly, how is that going for you? Bad. It's not going well. It's not going well. It's a disaster usually. When the authority in our lives comes from everything but God, we hurt ourselves, we hurt each other, We aren't able to see each other as made in the image of this loving leader. When we want to have self-leadership, but we actually give it away to other things and other people, our hearts get hard, it gets drained of compassion and filled with self-righteousness. 
We think we have everything in control, but we realize if we have a moment to pay attention that we are being controlled, that we are being held captive as JD talked about a few weeks ago, captive by the brokenness all around us, and God knows us and loves us through that, and Jesus says, but you can choose a different way. You can choose a different leader. Jesus is a different kind of king of a different kind of kingdom. Jesus is a leader worth following. Jesus is a leader worth giving our lives to, even if we have to do that in a new way every day. Jesus is a leader worth turning to and surrendering all of our failed attempts to try to control our world, because there will be failed every time. I'm gonna have the band come back up, and the way that we're gonna then send ourselves into Holy Week this week is to take communion together. And this is a great way to do this, because Jesus thought that this would be a great way to prepare his followers, his disciples, for all that was going to happen with the celebration that we now call Easter, his death, his resurrection. He wanted them to come together and to be prepared. And so Jesus was sitting with his disciples, and he was having a meal with them. And for them, maybe it seemed like just any other Passover meal, a meal that they had celebrated many, many years. And he's sitting there like many meals, and right in front of him is bread. That was normal. But he took the bread, and he did something totally different. He broke it. And he said to all of his followers, this bread is like my body, and it's going to be broken for you. And he took it, and he passed it around to them. And then he took this, this juice, this cup, and it was right there in the table, like it always was. But this time, he took the cup, and he looked at them, and he said, this cup is more than just a cup. It symbolizes my blood that's going to be broken for you, my blood that's going to be shed for you. My body's going to be broken. My blood is going to be shed, and I want you to always remember this. I want you to remember because this symbolizes that I'm a different kind of leader, Jesus was pointing this out. I'm the kind of leader that's willing to go to great lengths, where my body would be broken and my blood would be poured out because I love you. The kind of leader who is so humble that he would die such a horrible and public shaming death. The kind of leader that would choose to take on all the brokenness of the world on that cross upon himself with the idea that there would be a future perfect peace, shalom. The kind of leader who does all of this, it doesn't force you to follow. The kind of leader whose heart is fixated, obsessed with rescuing and saving those he loves. The kind of leader that will do anything for love. The kind of leader that is love and will go to all lengths, even giving up his life, giving up everything. So my prayer is that this would be the way that you begin to prepare your heart for this important week. And that it would be a week where you get to experience God perhaps in a new way. When we celebrate communion here at Mill City, there'll be people up here to serve the bread to you and you take the bread and you dip it into the cup and then you can go back to your seat. But I wanna just add one thing today, maybe a little bit differently than we've done before. And I just wanna give you permission to stay in your seat as long as you need to, to think about the things in your life that are so easy to wanna to control. Perhaps you might even wanna put your hands in your lap like this and think about those things. What are those things that I keep taking back? Some of us have to let go of them every day. And then when you can open your hands and you're ready, then you can come and you can take communion, this remembrance that Jesus is the most humble leader that did everything possible for you to be free from that sense of things that are controlling you and the things you're trying to control in your life. And one more thing, if this is maybe the first time you've really thought, I think I'm ready to say Jesus can be the leader in my life, maybe for the first time, or maybe it's been a really long time, that is the most important decision that you can make. 
to say to Jesus, I'm done trying to lead my life. It's clearly not going well. And in the ways I think it's going well, show me how it's not. And say to this leader who loves you so much, can you forgive me for how many times I tried to take that leadership back? The times that I tried to say to the broken world, you can be my leader or whatever it was. If this is the first time you're saying to Jesus, I actually want you to be the real leader of my life. That's the beginning of a long journey, but it is the most important first step that you can make. And if taking that bread and dipping it into that cup today symbolizes the fact that that's a choice you've made, then not only do we celebrate with you today, but all the angels and all the heavens celebrate that reality because it's the beginning of being set free. It's the beginning of a new experience in the world. So take the time that you need. And when you're ready, when you feel like at least right now, I can give the leadership back to God in my life, you can come forward and, and receive communion from those serving it. And as you do that, remember Jesus is saying, even now, just like he did 2,000 years ago, I'm a new kind of leader. I'm a new kind of king of a new kind of kingdom. And I welcome you into that kingdom with me.